just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Cause your name is power Your name is healing Your name is love For my family, I speak the holy name. 
Fusion. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Fusion this morning to those here in person, to those joining online. Uh, listen now uh, as we re- hear a word from the Lord from Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And God's people say, amen. Uh, I'm up here again doing the the reading. For those who weren't here last week, we began a a new-ish practice uh, during our worship service. It's kind of the liturgical version of the greeting not the greeting hour, as I said last week, the greeting where we greet one another in the name of the Lord. It's called the passing of the peace. And here's a description of the passing of the peace. I I shared this last week, but we just thought two weeks will kind of cover some more folks. Uh, So this is a, a description of the passing of the peace from the worship source book from 2004. Christ's work of reconciliation offers us forgiveness for our sins and the possibility of genuine fellowship and reconciliation in community. Thus, in many Christian traditions, after hearing the words of assurance, worshipers are invited to share gestures and words of reconciliation and peace with each other. And so in just a few moments, I'm going to invite you to stand as we prepare our hearts for worship, and then we'll express words of peace toward to one another. Those words could be, peace of Christ, we got, we got peace of Christ, Christ's peace, uh, peace be with you, grace and peace to you. Usually helps if you smile, so let's practice our smiles. And we can share that peace with one another. There's a couple of reasons for this. Uh, our hope is that this will become, it's a simple yet profound practice. It gives intentionality. We greet one another in peace because we have peace in Christ, therefore we have peace with each other. And just like we, we train our kids to say thank you, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, And that creates a posture of gratitude. Our hope is that this will create a posture of peace, that we're a people of peace. And it might be a little awkward at first, uh, but go with it, smile, enjoy one another. And so at this time, I invite you to stand, prepare your hearts for worship, express the peace of Christ to one another this morning. Colin, peace of Christ.
Well, good morning once again. I think I'm going to say good morning a lot of times this morning. So good morning. morning. It's still a good morning. Good morning. Uh, This morning, we have the uh, special privilege and opportunity uh, to to celebrate uh, as well as continue to pray and support uh, our third grade students. So uh, for a long time here at Hardawake, we we celebrate our, our third grade, I guess I should say fourth grade students, right? Because you guys have finished third grade, you're going into fourth grade, and we, we get to celebrate uh, you by giving to you your, maybe it's not your first, but first from us, you know, grown up, I shouldn't say grown up, but a, a full-on study Bible, right? Because we want to encourage you to continue to dig into the word, to grow in your faith, to study, and with that, there's also a little devotional. And uh, and as I'm inviting the ki- those third graders to come forward, I'm going to have you just stand right here, third graders. If you just graduated third grade, come forward. I'm going to stand here. And we have a special friend with us this morning. Um, if you guys don't know, this is Becky Visser. And she, if you're reading all of your information and emails, you know that Becky is our new children's ministry director. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you are going to find yourself, uh, if you, as you talk to her and maybe get a little invitation to experience the blessing of serving in children's ministry, uh, you're going to learn to love her just as much as I have in these first couple of weeks. But Becky's going to lead us uh, in this. And, and Becky is taking um, the role that Lori has served faithfully for, for many, many years. And if you, just a quick little, she had an opportunity come up that moved pretty quickly. And so this whole process moved pretty quickly. But it is a wonderful gift for Lori. It's a wonderful gift for Becky. And uh, I'm going to quit talking, maybe, and let you. I think you're going first. Oh, you're right. See, this, she's keeping me in line. I do have a part to play. Thank you. You can chuckle. Please chuckle a little bit. Otherwise, I'm going to feel bad. How are you guys doing? You're like, that pastor over there just keeps talking. You guys excited? Yeah, very good. All right, you're kind of like, what am I doing up here? It's very simple, okay? All right, when, here's the thing. In our tradition, right, we, we baptize our little ones at a young age. And if you remember when we, when we do baptism, one, there's a few things happening. Primarily, when you're baptized as an infant, you don't really know what's going on. We remember that God is making these promises in your life. That God says, you are my child, that you belong to me, you belong to this church family. Is that pretty cool? You're like, yeah, I think so. It's really cool. It's really cool. The other things that happen during those ba- the baptism is that your parents make a promise to you, as well as this whole church community makes a promise to you as well. Now, is that cool? To love you, to teach you, to encourage you? It's really, really cool. So what I'm going to ask first is for parents as well as congregation as a whole, uh, do you reaffirm the promises that we made uh, to our, our young people, to these what, young people? Is that a better than children? Would you rather be a young person or a child? I'll go, I'll go young person. Okay. <laughs> we, do you reaffirm these promises we made to these third graders, these fourth graders. And here's the promise. Uh, Respond just, we do God helping us. Do you continue to promise to teach them, to instruct them in the truth of God's word and in the faith? Do you promise to continue to pray for them, to promise to encourage them, to promise to support them? People of God, how do you respond? We do God helping us. Amen. Now I can turn it over to Becky. Right? Yeah, I think so. I will, absolutely. All right, kids. 
In your baptism, God promises his love for you. You have just heard your parents and the people in this church remind you of their love for you. So as you hold your Bible in your hands, you will notice that it's wrapped. What do you notice about the wrapping paper? What color is it? Just plain brown, isn't it? Your Bibles are wrapped in brown paper to remind you that this is a very old book. Christians have been reading this same book for hundreds of years and around the world. You may unwrap the brown paper from it. I'm sure at Christmas they are not this careful with unwrapping. So can you tell me what was under the brown paper? What color is that? It's gold. Your Bible is now wrapped in gold. As a church, we want to remind you that the Bible is very valuable, more valuable than gold. You may now unwrap the gold paper. And I know you probably don't read the newspaper nowadays, but can anyone tell me what this is? They're called comics. <laughs> your Bible is wrapped in comics because it's filled with wonderful stories. We want you to know that your Bible is not only ancient and valuable, but it is also has very interesting and exciting stories. You can now remove the comic wrapping paper. And who can tell me what the last color of the wrapping is? It's white. The white paper is to remind us that the Bible is holy. You have a message from God about God wrapped in this ancient, valuable, exciting, and holy scripture. You may now remove the white paper. We hope that your Bible will bring you joy as you read it and grow in God's word. Before you leave, I'll also give you um, a little journal that you and your parents can fill out and do together. But before you return to your seats, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, please guide these kids with your Holy Spirit through the pages of their Bibles and inspire them to grow in their knowledge of you and for their love for you so that they may be filled with your good fruit and bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here we go. There we go. We got your journals. All right. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, we can praise God. Absolutely.
And at this time, I'd like to invite uh, our children and young people uh, to head over to the doors as uh, we're going to offer a blessing to you as you head down uh, to uh, our Sunday school and children's ministries. And I think we kind of know our part, right, congregation? All right, let's let them gather together. And children and young people, you know your part? Yep, there we go. There we go. All right, let's bless our young ones together. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Awesome. You guys have a wonderful time in children's ministry this morning. Now, friends, let's gather together with a word of prayer. We begin by hearing the word of the psalmist. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that it is the Lord who is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is is good and his love endures forever his faithfulness continues from generation to generation lord we thank you for your word we thank you for the word of the psalms which which give expression to our hearts and lord this morning our, our hearts are filled with with praise because of these young ones, because of your faithfulness, because of your love and faithfulness that is evident in their lives. Lord, your children, our children are a gift from you and we praise you and we, we thank you for them. We thank you for these third graders going into fourth grade, Lord. We continue to pray for them. We pray that you would continue to shape and mold and lead them in your truth and wisdom. We pray that for for all of our children. We pray that for us as adults as well, Lord, as we've been studying in your word, Lord, that we are a people who are constantly in need of wisdom, that we are a people who are constantly on this journey of being found and formed by and following Jesus, Lord, that our identity would be in you, Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we would come to know that and believe that, Lord, for our children as well as adults, Lord, that we would be those who are who are being formed by Jesus Christ through your word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of Christian community, Lord, that we would be being formed more and more into the likeness and character of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we would be those who are following you. Lord, that we would be those who, who, are, who are, have our eyes fixed on our Lord Jesus Christ, that we, Lord, would be your disciples, your apprentices, that we would be following in your very footsteps. Lord, as you reveal to us how we are to love and respond in this world. Lord, as as we rejoice in, in the goodness of our God, Lord, we also pray for the needs of your people. Lord, we pray for, for some young people right now as, as there's a group um, returning soon from Colorado and a group that's serving in Roseland, the Chicagoland area and our high school age groups. Lord, we pray for protection as they travel. We pray for your grace as they continue to learn and grow through these activities. Lord, we pray for summer serve as, as it approaches. 
Lord, we pray for the other activities as, as gems and cadets have different nights. Lord, uh, as, as we as a community have opportunity to gather together, including today as we gather for a potluck after the service. Lord, may you continue to be shaping us and forming us, Lord, so that we would know how to love and support one another. And we pray for those, Lord, in our community, in our congregations, Lord, as, as they face trials of many kinds, Lord, facing illness, diseases like cancer, and Lord, the uncertainty that that brings. God, we pray for healing. We pray for miracles, Lord. We pray those desires of our heart. We pray, God, that, that you would you would provide peace in the midst of that journey. We pray, Lord, for others who, who are facing uncertainty about the future. What, what does tomorrow bring? God, we pray that you would walk with them and, Lord, that, that you would make those needs known so that we can love and support one another, not just in our prayers, but also in our actions as well. And, Lord, we also take a moment this morning to recognize the things that are happening in our world and in our nation. Lord, we continue in our world to see a world that is in conflict, a world that is divided. Lord, we continue to see wars rage on. We continue to see injustice across the globe. And we pray for your peace, Lord. We pray for your shalom in this world. And God, in our own country, we, we continue to be, Lord, a, a, a nation divided. And Lord, this week, major decisions of the Supreme Court, Lord, highlight those divisions. And Lord, as, as, as many of us are rejoicing and celebrating a decision, Lord, because of a genuine love and concern for the unborn, Lord, we also recognize that there are others who are, who are grieving and wondering and questioning because of a, a genuine concern for, for mothers with facing uncertainty. And so, Lord, as, as, as we as the church, Lord, may we be united, not simply around political positioning, but, Lord, united around the call to love and serve those that you've placed in our lives. Lord, may we recognize that you are a God who is who is for life. Throughout the whole lifespan, Lord, you are for babies and children, you are for mothers and families, you are for us as we age. And Lord, as a church, may we continue to commit to serve the needs of those around us, to answer that call to love as you have loved us. And Lord, as we navigate that as your church, Lord, we recognize the need for wisdom. And Lord, a wisdom that, that comes from seeking and pursuing knowledge and understanding and truth from your word as we remembered last week. A wisdom that comes with a healthy fear of the Lord that means humility and, and, and seeking to listen and learn. Lord, we pray for your wisdom as a church. We pray for your wisdom as individuals. Lord, that we would engage with one another in love and humility and understanding. Lord, we pray and we thank you. We pray, Lord, as we hear from you this morning, may the words that, that I speak, Lord, be words that come from you. And Lord, in hearing your word, may we be shaped and formed more and more in the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray all these things. And God's people say together.
Amen. And amen. I'm going to say good morning one more time. Good morning. Good morning. Fusion again. I'm Pastor JB. If, if we have not met, uh, let's connect. And uh, today, I've kind of mentioned it briefly, but we have the opportunity to connect as uh, we'll be gathering in the pavilion uh, across the parking lot uh, for a potluck style kind of dinner. If you've brought some, some items to pass, wonderful. If you didn't because you didn't get the memo or you just simply forgot, uh, and don't feel guilty if you forgot because someone else forgot he's got two thumbs and he's standing in front of you. Uh, we forgot. Is that? Okay, that's the, not a good joke apparently. That didn't go over well. We forgot our pasta salad. So, uh, but join us for brats and hot dogs. We'll be grilling in the pavilion. And uh, we're going to celebrate, continue to celebrate our third graders. A beautiful day for all of those things. Uh, also, a very important announcement. Next Sunday is uh, the July 4th holiday. It's July 3rd. And because of that, we understand people have different plans and maybe in and out. We, we decided uh, as a full uh, three-community campus that we're going to do a combined service at 10 a.m. So that's the important thing. 10 a.m. Repeat after me. 10 a.m., it'll be an outdoor service by the pavilion. Bring a lawn chair or a blanket some way to sit. Uh, there's some tables and stuff. We can provide those, but, but come at 10 a.m., outdoor service at the pavilion, combined all Heart Awake gathering. That should be a wonderful time of fellowship and connection as well. With that, we continue our summer, summer series. You see it on the screen, Everyday Wisdom. It's been a journey of discovery in the wisdom literature of Scripture. Most of our time is going to be spent in the Proverbs, but in July we're also going to touch on Ecclesiastes and Job. Those should be wonderful explorations. So far we've explored uh, several questions uh, in this series. What is wisdom? Was week one. What is foolishness, uh, week two? And then last week, if you remember, we kind of began a two-part series, uh, kind of mini-series within the series, answering the question of how do we become wise? Now, if you remember, we wrestled with whether wisdom is something we pursue, right, with, through human effort, or if wisdom is something we receive from God. And last week, we came away with the answer is... Yes, right, both. Uh, both are true. And we use this illustration, if you remember, the determined toddler, right, on one end, I do it, you know, that kind of self-assertion, and the, uh, I hesitate, the lazy preschooler, like, okay, that, and that's unfair to our preschoolers, but the, 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 right, the independent toddler, determined toddler and the lazy preschooler, the, the I do it, I can do it myself, uh, and the, the, no, you do it, you take care of it. If, so if we, if we use that illustration, last week then was a word of challenge to kind of the, the lazy preschooler or lazy adult in each of us, the part that wants God to handle everything on our behalf. And last week we remembered, no, we have a role to play. God desires for us to pursue wisdom, to use our intellect, to seek out wisdom and understanding. Then that means this week is kind of a word of challenge to kind of that, that determined toddler who, who, who in each of us who believes that we can achieve endless possibilities and solve all the world's problems with our own individual intellect. And it's a word to us who, when we want to say, I do it, I got this, I can handle it. Today we remember the reality of Proverbs 2, 6, which we read last week, which says this, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. 
We, we can and we should pursue wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, but ultimately, true godly wisdom is something that the Lord gives to those who are open and ready to receive. So the question we're gonna be wrestling with this morning is, how can we be sure that we are ready to receive wisdom? What does it mean to be ready to receive the wisdom that only God can give? To help us explore that question, we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 3, so jumping a chapter ahead. We'll be reading verses 1 through 12, and then jumping ahead to verses 27 through 30. If you're willing, if you're able, I'd invite you to stand as we hear God speak to us this morning. Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Then jumping ahead to verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. And do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We join me in a word of prayer. Lord God, once again we ask and we pray boldly and yet humbly that you would speak into our lives. Speak, Lord, into our circumstances. Lord, speak into our hearts so that in hearing from you this morning, we might be shaped and molded more and more into the likeness of the one who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. God's people say, amen. One of my favorite movie franchises growing up, and I've probably shared this, was the Indiana Jones movie franchise. Any, any fans of Indiana Jones? Yes. We, we discovered early on that we could, we could borrow movies from the library, and they were VHSs, and it was free, which was like a win, 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 win. Yeah. Anyway, I just loved those movies. They, they captured my imagination, and in fact, I, I'm, I confess, I guess, a little bit embarrassed to say that I think as a young child, they informed my theology a bit, Anyone else? Like as a kid, I remember thinking to myself like, okay, just in case, you know, Jay Barrett, if you ever come across the Ark of the Covenant and someone is foolish enough to open it, like just don't look at it. Anyone else? 
Like I'm like, this, this is survival skills, right? I, I remember thinking that. Um, anyway, I was thinking about this paradox uh, of, of the series that we've been in, kind of pursuing wisdom, the paradox of, of that wisdom is something we pursue, but yet wisdom is also something that God gives. And for me, my mind went straight to the third movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And, and I was so inspired that I forced Yvonne to watch it with me this, this last night. So we just watched the movie. Um, and, and if you haven't seen it, um, there's going to be some spoilers, but I think we're past the point of I get in trouble for spoilers. I think it was like 89. So, yeah, anyway. But I, I love this, this movie. And, and if you don't know the plot, here it is. It's a, it's a long pursuit. It's, it's uh, Harrison Ford, Sean Connery, right? This long pursuit to find uh, the, the, this last crusade is all about the Holy Grail, right? The chalice, the, the cup of, of Jesus Christ from the Last Supper. Um, and so they're, they're, they're on this quest to find the Holy Grail because the promise is, in the, according to the movie, is that if you have the Grail, then that ensures and that gives you the gift of eternal life and healing. And so if you follow the movie, there's this long pursuit. There's some different pictures from the movie. You know, they're, they're searching a library to find the X, and then he's hanging on the edge of a tank, and then they get to the cave, uh, which is, is, is from Jordan, right? Uh, Petra and Jordan is kind of the, the picture. But they're in this cave, and then there's three different trials, right? The breath of God, the word of God, um, and then what was the last one? This, the walk of God, right? The path of God. And so there's all these different trials. He finally gets to the end to get to the true treasure, which is eternal life. But here's the thing. The true treasure at the end of it can only really be given, right? And, 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 and in, in, the, in the movie, it's only given to the one who's, who's ready, really who's proven worthy, there's all these tests and trials to prove that whoever reaches the end is worthy. And you remember that famous scene with the knight there, the one guy wasn't proven worthy. He says, he chose poorly, right? Do you remember this scene? And then Indiana chooses wisely, right? So that's kind of the end of the scene. Side note, this is really a side note, but um, the la one of the last scenes as it unfolds, this is for those who have watched the movie Frozen, Okay, the main character and the, the main female protagonist, her name is Elsa. And so there's this whole scene that unfolds and it's like, Elsa, give me your hand, you're gonna fall. And she's reaching for the grail and she falls into the pit. And then Indiana, he slides down and now he's holding on to Sean Connery's hand and, and he says, Indiana, let it go. <laughs> let it go. Any okay, sorry, side note. Elsa, I was just struck by that. That's how my mind works, anyway. So I say all that, what's the, what's the maybe loose connect here? The loose connect here is this. Wisdom, as we learned last week, is something that we pursue. Wisdom is something that we, we grow in. We, we have a part to play. We participate in this work of gaining wisdom. But at the end of the day, it, it is God who, who gives us ultimate wisdom particularly in, in some of the most difficult situations, it is, it is God who imparts wisdom to those ready to receive it. So here's the question. What does it mean to be ready to receive? Is it like Indiana Jones, right? Where it's about being worthy to receive this wisdom of God. I have to prove myself worthy to receive this wisdom. Do we need to pass a series of tests to be worthy recipients or is it something else? 
This morning I want to suggest that it, it's, it's something else. And it has more to do with the condition of our hearts. There's a common image throughout the scriptures, beginning in the book of Exodus, to describe uh, the human heart. The book of Exodus begins to describe a person whose heart is closed off to the work of God in their lives, and they're described to have a hard heart or a hardened heart. In fact, Pharaoh is kind of the first and kind of archetype of, of the hardened heart in Scripture. The phrase be, being used well over 10 times in this cycle of Pharaoh and Moses with the 10 plagues. Each plague that is given, we're, we're told that far, Pharaoh's heart becomes hard, that Pharaoh hardens his heart, and, 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 and also that God hardened his heart. Now, there's a whole theological conversation there. The point being that Pharaoh's heart became hard. And it became hard right away at this moment in, from Exodus 5, verses 1 and 2, where, where Moses demands that Pharaoh let God's people go. And this is, this is Pharaoh's response. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? Who is Yahweh? That I should obey him and let Israel go. I don't know the Lord. I don't know Yahweh. And I will not let Israel go. What's happening in that scene is that Pharaoh is mocking the Lord. Who is the Lord? I don't know this God. I'm not going to obey this God. In fact, Pharaoh falsely believes that he is greater than God, and, and with each plague, he refuses to move from that position, and throughout this cycle, Pharaoh's heart becomes more and more hardened and calloused and closed off to God until he's reached a point of no return. The hardened heart. Here's the good news. Scripture also speaks of the kind of reversing of that fate of the hardened heart. In Ezekiel, the prophet famously proclaims these words, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Take your heart of stone, your hardened heart, and give you a heart of flesh, says the Lord. And so reasoning would follow. One of the ways that we can prepare to receive God's wisdom is to watch and be mindful of the condition of our own hearts. Another way of putting that same thing would be keeping in mind the posture of our hearts. And, and what is a heart posture that is open to receiving the wisdom of God? This is where Proverbs 3 offers quite a bit of wisdom and insight. It, it might not be like an exhaustive list, but it does give some essential postures of the heart if we want to receive wisdom. The first one is this, trust. If we want to receive wisdom, if we want a heart that's open to receiving wisdom, we need to trust in the Lord. Probably the most well-known two verses of all of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. You see, trust is, is foundational in the Proverbs. Trust is foundational in, in, in the scriptures. Trust is foundational in the walk of faith. Without trust, why would we look to God at all, right? 
Trust in the Lord is the first step toward receiving wisdom because trust is what opens us up in the first place to look to God to receive wisdom. But growing in trust uh, and the path toward growing in wisdom is, is a whole other dance, right? This is where Proverbs 3 is, is so countercultural. What does it mean to trust in the Lord? Proverbs describes in chapter 3 total trust. Complete trust highlighted in yellow. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all of your heart. Meaning there's no room for competition in our hearts. No room for idols that we look to to find security and comfort and contentment. For us, that's typically not some kind of deity made of stone. But we find our contentment, trust, comfort in other things, certainly. Proverbs goes on. Lean not on your own understanding, right? Meaning this includes the idol of self. We've talked about that weeks prior, right? The idol of self. Proverbs reminds us that the heart is deceptive. That my, my heart, my desires, my gut is not always right. What I want, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> what I want to do might not lead, lead me toward every good path. In fact, what I desire, what I long for might lead toward my own destruction. Here's the question. Do I trust in the Lord above my own feelings, desires, longings? Do I trust in God's word above my own mind and heart? Do I trust in Jesus' way of of self-denial and love? Here's another question. Has God's word changed your mind recently? Has Jesus Christ, has the Holy Spirit convicted you of something lately? Because here's the thing, if, if, if God seems to always agree with you, then maybe it's time that we consider who is actually God in our life. Because God is not some yes man that affirms our positions. God is one who is active and working. Do we trust that? Do we trust the work of the Spirit? Do we work, trust the work of the Spirit through God's word? Do we trust the work of the Spirit through the community of faith? This kind of lived out trust leads to our second heart posture. Because this kind of trust leads toward humility. Humility. Trust in practice is Humility. Trusting God like this ultimately leads us toward humility. Verse 7 and 8 says this, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Trusting God is, in this kind of sold-out way brings us to a place of humility. Because when the Spirit convicts us of something and says, Hey, JB, you're, you're off base on this. You're, you're, or you're living the wrong way in this, right? That brings a spirit of humility. Submitting to God humbles us because we understand that we do not have all the answers. We understand that we mess up. Sometimes we get it wrong and we need correction from the Holy Spirit. And often that comes through the community of faith, through trusted people that we know love us and care for us. Again, this as well is so countercultural. It's interesting how many times I've seen harsh criticism. This goes in all different directions. But criticism toward people who have changed their stance on something or issue over time, right? 
Like I, like I know I've changed my understanding and perspective in my life, particularly from high school, right? I hope so. I hope that I'm a different person today standing before you than I was 20-some years ago in high school, right? It's called growth. It's called maturity, right? Or, or how about this? Right now we have this, we have this strange um, ability because so much of our, our social circles has gone digital. So we have this strange ability to surround ourselves with only voices with whom we agree. We call that the echo chamber, right? And, and, and when we do that, it only strengthens our current understanding of things. Oftentimes, those echo chambers oversimplify things. And it allows us to just kind of dig our heels in deeper and close ourselves off from other people. And, and so when, when the proverb says, do not be wise in your own eyes, you know, I, I wonder, is this also, do not be wise in our own little, little group here, right? Humility is, is different. Humility doesn't mean we just accept anything, but humility allows us to carefully listen. Humility allows us to sincerely respect people, even respect people who may see the world differently, even respect and listen to people with whom we disagree. And humility allows us to disagree and stand on truth of the gospel. Because there's, yes, there's certain things like the gospel of God's grace in Jesus Christ that we hold on to with certainty, but there's many other things that, that we hold on to more loosely, right? Like, like who's, the be- who's better, U of M or MSU? Like, relax a little bit with those kinds of things. For me, it's Packers, right? We can hold that loosely. That's kind of a fun example. But what about a more, a more serious, pressing example? Like, like how, do we, how do we address poverty in our community? How do we do that? Is it this way? Is it that way? It's more complicated. It's more nuanced. Maybe we can listen. Maybe we can learn. Maybe we can seek to understand. Maybe we can see where we align that we want to address poverty in our communities. And in all of these, be guided by a healthy fear of the Lord, as well as longing to shun evil and do good, as verse 7 tells us. Humility. Now here's the thing. All of that, I think, I think we're all we kind of agree, right? Like that most Christians would agree, I think, that, that those are healthy postures of the heart. Like we, should, we want people to trust the Lord. We want people who are humble. Not only is it good for receiving wisdom, but I think most of us would say, trusting God, a humble heart, that's just good in general, right? Can I get an amen? Like we want people to trust. We want people to be humble. We want people to be and exhibit both of these things. Here's the, the follow-up question of that, though, is how do we grow in trust? How do we grow in humility? How do we posture our hearts that, uh, with exceeding trust and increasing humility? What does that look like? Do we just try harder? Like, oh, I'm gonna, just going to trust God more, you know? Or, or do we, is it kind of some kind of crude, like fake it until you make it? Like I'm just going to pretend to trust so that I grow in trust or pretend to be humble because humility is really hard? Or, or do I do something absurd uh, that, that, that like I take this, this wild leap of faith so that I learn trust or, or do I speak in such a way where I'm always self-disparaging my own character, you know, like I'm self-deprecating in my speech so that I grow in he- no. No, of course not. Because humility and trust are not simply things that we will ourselves toward and pursue, but I'd argue that humility and trust are fruit. This is fruit that comes from God often through experiences. 
I do think Proverbs 3 does direct us towards some practices that I think might just produce this kind of fruit in our hearts. So let's talk about practice. In some ways, this is is cyclical. Uh, Practicing this posture, meaning that these practices that we're gonna talk about uh, both result in a heart posture, right? When you have a heart that is humble and trusting of God, I think these practices are a result of that and yet, I think these practices also produce a heart posture. Does that cycle make sense? So, the, so if we go to the next slide. Um, the posture produces the practice, and the practice produces the posture. Now, if we get caught in that cycle, we're going to continue to grow in humility and trust. Are you with me? Does that make sense? I should have put some arrows, but I think that, that captures it. So let's run through some of the practices. Again, not exhaustive, but these are practices that just Proverbs 3 brings to the surface. The first practice is this. We practice this posture through generosity. Generosity. Proverbs says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Really, our focus is verse 9. Here's the thing. Money, comfort, security, have a way of clouding our wisdom at times. Greed, the love of money, can can lead us to compromise our values. And and on the flip side of that, what, what forces us to trust in God more than when we don't have enough? When we're put in a position that all we have to look to is, is God, because he's all we got. In order to grow in trust, we need to be in situations where we're required to trust. And here's where the idea of first fruits is incredibly significant. See, in the ancient world, it was an agrarian society, right, agricultural. And so when they talk about first fruits, this was literal. If you're a farmer, the first part of your harvest, the first fruit, the first harvest of grain, that was for the Lord. And so you literally gave to the Lord your first fruits, whether it was the first of your flock or the first of your harvest, you gave it to the Lord and then you were left to trust with God to provide you with enough from there. Now there's something cool about how that works because what if you don't have enough? Well, there's someone who maybe had a surplus and they live generously and they give to you. There's this beautiful thing and it's all found in the Torah, in the law. But in our society, in our world, it's, it's, it's different, right? Here, here's the thing. This is what I was convicted with this week. How many, of us, how many of us, when we give, do we give out of excess? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of us give out of our excess? We calculate our budget, we got everything. Well, this is what I have left over and I can give to God. Or I can give to others. I know we do. And, and, and we still, we give a percentage, right? So we even set aside a percentage and, and that automatically gets taken and we, and we give that. But, but even that percentage, like we understand, like we can live off the rest. Like it's still excess, right? How many times, here's a question, how many times, and this is a convicting one to me, how many times have, have I denied myself something so that I could give away more? Like God, I'm, I'm not gonna do this extravagant thing so that I can give more. And if I'm honest, not often. 
It's kind of like that scene, if you've seen the powerful movie Schindler's List, right, at the end of the movie, and, and he's, he's grieving like this car could have saved that many people's lives. This coat could have saved. Here's, here's something I've heard some people do, which I find inspiring, but haven't done it yet. I've heard some people not go out to dinner on a Friday night. And instead, they use that money that they would have spent on, on going out to dinner, which is a lovely thing to do. I'm not saying you can't go out to dinner. Please don't hear me wrong. But for that night, they, they take that money they would have used to go out to dinner and they, and they give it to a family in need, maybe someone that they know who's, who's experiencing a food shortage. Now, I'm, I'm sharing that not to guilt us in, into enjoying life. Like, that's all there too. But, but how many of us live with this kind of generosity? Because living generously reminds us of who God is. Living generously reminds us and shapes us in a powerful way that it's not about me. And it produces a trust in my heart and it fights selfish pride and greed. It produces humility. Do you see how that's connected? That generosity does something and that same thing produces more generosity. Generosity is the first one. Second thing that Proverbs 3 points out to learn from adversity. Verse 11 and 12. Proverbs says this, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Now, let me be crystal clear. I'm not saying that all forms of suffering are, is God's action or God's discipline. We're gonna talk about that when we get to the book of Job and Ecclesiastes. There's just things that happen that cannot be explained. What we do know, what we can say from our confessions is that God is not the author of evil. We can be clear about that. Again, we'll address that more deeply in, in the weeks ahead. But what we also know is that God is in the business of redeeming pain and redeeming suffering. All we need to do is look to the cross. I guess it's that way right there. Look to the cross of Jesus, where the death of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ brought life for the world. God is in the business of redeeming pain and suffering. Here in the Proverbs, it's framed as discipline. And discipline is more about when we make poor choices, when we make mistakes, when we mess up bad, we'll often, most often, face appropriate consequences because God's word, as we've learned in this series, has an order. There is this wisdom that is a thread, an order that guides the world. Now, there's exceptions. We'll talk about that when we get to Ecclesiastes. But in general, there is this order to the world. The one who is humble, the one who trusts in the Lord, is the one who has opportunity to learn from the mistakes, knowing that God is gracious to forgive just as a parent corrects and disciplines their children for the well-being and benefit of their child. It's the proud, it's the arrogant who will resent discipline, justify their actions, and eventually, over time, become hardened. We learn from adversity. Second thing. Number three, do good in relationships. Do good in relationships. We jumped ahead to verse 27 because in between was one of those speeches from Lady Wisdom, so we jumped ahead. But first, excuse me, verse 27 says this. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you and do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. Friends, 
Here's a third thing we can put into practice. Do good. Pretty simple. Seek justice. Seek the well-being of your neighbor. Again, this world, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's not about what we can attain, protect, keep for ourselves. Our call is to give of ourselves. The Proverbs say that when we have the ability to do good, to act justly, do not withhold, do not delay, do not put off doing what is right, just, and good. And certainly as 29 and 30 say, do not plot harm against those who you've built trust with. Do not accuse falsely your neighbor. Friends, it's a lack of trust that brings us a scarcity kind of mindset that says, do I have enough? And with that mindset, we withhold good, but a trust in the Lord creates an abundance mindset which says God will provide and that frees us to do more good because we know God is in control. God is the one who provides. The proud think primarily of themselves. They will mistreat, walk over, slander others to get ahead. But God calls us to do good, to do justice. As I was reading that section, in fact, this kind of brought all of this together. My mind was brought to another well-known passage from Micah chapter six, verse eight prophet says this, he has told you, mortal one, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Here's one of the things. I don't know about you, but in my life, in my experience, the, this, this posture of the heart, there's a correlation between the posture of the heart and those practices? Have you noticed that, that the most humble and trusting people that you know are the ones who are also seem to be living radically different from the rest of us? This week my heart was brought back to a woman, a friend named Marge from the previous church I served. Marge was, was one who lived her life generously and in the service of others. She was one who constantly offered her time and her sometimes limited resources, offering her energy, pouring into people's lives who, who desperately needed it, oftentimes at the sacrifice of herself. The other thing that struck me was most of the time she did all these things behind the scenes. And many people in our church would not have been able to point her out on a Sunday morning. And then years ago when stage four cancer struck, it maybe slowed her a little bit, but she kept on serving. She kept on loving. She kept on giving. Despite multiple surgeries, endless treatments, she kept on loving, doing good, practicing, living out humility, and a trust in a, in a faith in Jesus Christ that, that I can only grasp at. And then I remember one of, one of the last visits that we had toward the end of her journey in this life. She was sharing her heart. And from her heart poured this humility and this, this trust in God and seeking God in the midst of this struggle and, and, and this continued desire to help one of her friends who was in need. 
And in that, just pouring out more wisdom than I, can, than I can put into words right now. And here I am as her pastor in her living room. The one who's supposed to be ministering to her, right? And once again, I'm finding myself being ministered to by this dear woman of faith. So the question is, are we ready to receive wisdom? Are we ready to receive wisdom? Friends, it's not a simple formula. It's more like a, a dance, a journey. And it's, a, it's quite a different journey than what we see in the Indiana Jones movies, right? For Dr. Jones, it mostly depended on his ability to complete the journey and then prove himself worthy through a series of tests and trials to receive this gift that he sought, the gift of life. But friends, for us seeking wisdom today, it's not about proving ourselves worthy. It's a gospel of grace. It's a matter of receiving this gift, which is more like a dance. It's a journey where Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, readies our hearts, prepares us over time, producing a trust and a humility so that we're able to receive his wisdom. We pursue, the Lord gives are our hearts ready to receive? Let's pray that the Spirit would do that work in our hearts. Will you join me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for the call in our lives. Lord, at the end of the day, it's a call to follow Jesus Christ, to be formed by Jesus Christ. And it comes out of this identity that we belong to Jesus Christ, an identity sealed in our baptism, Lord, as we remembered this morning. Spirit, may you do that work in us. May we participate May we practice these things that produce within us a trust and a humility in you. Lord, we pray that you would do this work, inspire us. Lord, may we challenge and push one another so that we would more and more represent the one we call Lord, the one we call Savior, the one we call Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray all these things. Amen. I invite you to stand as you're able for our closing song.
reminder that after this, we got a potluck to gather, to encourage one another, to support one another. Pavilion across the parking lot, brats, hot dogs, and uh, dishes to pass. Come, enjoy some time of fellowship. And uh, I don't know about you, as we were singing those, those words, uh, I believe, right? I will follow. I place my trust I'm going to follow God because I believe and I'm humble enough to understand that he knows what's best. Let's hold on to that truth. Let's be encouraged by that truth as we go from here. And as you do receive God's blessing, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Let's enjoy some food together. <laughs>